Welcome back to the Cuddy and Gavi Show, formerly known as Unbandaged. We're on Spotify, Facebook, Instagram, X, TikTok, Apple, and YouTube. And I didn't actually do the math, Gavi. We were at 87,000 listeners, but now that Lovely gave us 4,742 Facebook and 3,134 TikTok... Let's do some quick math. We're like 94,000 listeners. Today, we have a fantastic guest, Matt Lunsford, who is a um, friend, uh, lives down here in Florida. He has a great um, place called Health, Heal Behavior Health, and he's going to tell us about his journey. But before we get to Matt, we want to... um, Talk about a couple things that are happening. Number one, with all this um, violence and thievery in these department stores, the Wawa's, the 7-Elevens, chaining up all the um, all the cases. You know, I'm reading this article in the New York Post, and I rip it out every time I find a nice article. That in New York, in Brooklyn, they arrested. 28 guys that were Johns, you know, they, they were they were looking for hookers on the street. So now you have people robbing stores, killing people. There's murders. They just had that guy beat up that woman. She was beat, you know, what was he? With her own cane. With her own cane. She, he was arrested like 10 times, right? Right. But meantime, the state of New York City is spending money here to arrest 17 Johns, these guys, who even knows, maybe their wives aren't fucking them or whatever's <laughs> going on. These guys are out of the street for 75 hours to meet a girl, and boom, they're getting arrested when all these criminals are getting away. It's just an unbelievable story. It's, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy on where we put our priorities to get someone like, you know, who we, who we feel that the public is safer with. Putting that guy away or letting the other guy out 10 times that can beat someone with their own cane. And the crazy thing about the guy that beat her with the uh, cane, the person who called the police was a uh, New York transit worker. And, uh, and there were witnesses around. And nobody helped. And nobody helped her out because remember that uh, ex-Marine that is now— Choked the guy. Yeah. That choked the guy. the guy. So the nobody guy. wants to help anymore because they don't want to be would a— you? Re- If you saw something, would you help? Well, you don't want to go to—you don't want to help. Matt, and then would you help if you saw— if you saw a woman being beat by a guy with a cane, you're a big guy, you're a muscular guy, do you think you'd step in and take a chance? Ah. I'd like to think I would. Would you? Yeah, of course. I, I don't would, you, would you step in if you know that the another guy that did step in is now like uh, has to, uh, is going to be broke? He's spending all his money trying to get lawyers to defend himself for murder. For murder. Well, well, the problem is, you know, you go into the military, you're trained to kill. And now you're expected to come back to society and be a normal person. And, you know, I don't know how they separate the lines. And here this guy. He didn't try to kill him. He just tried to subdue the guy because until someone came. I mean, he didn't know that the guy was also on, you know, drugs and other stuff. He didn't try to kill him. He just tried to help. But still. Well, we'll have Matt address that because he's an expert in that area. But, you know, it's kind of crazy because what, what you have here is a guy. Everybody on the train has cameras. 
So it's not like when we grew up. Nobody has a camera. Everybody has a phone with camera on it. So it's instant, you know, seeing what's really going on. And I guess the guy just choked them a little too long. Yeah, I just. It, but it is unbelievable that the priorities of where the district attorneys, where they want to, uh, you know, who they want to put in jail and who they don't want to put right. in jail. So now, not only did they bust these Johns, and I don't know, do you, do you, does anybody have any idea why it's called a John, a guy that goes and seeks a hooker? John Doe, like yeah. it's just... Oh, it's a John Doe. Okay, that makes sense. But they, they listed these guys' names. I'm sure all these guys now are going to lose their job. I'm sure their wives are angry if they're married or girlfriends. They're probably going to get divorced. And it's just not fair that they do this. Look... It's like when Robert Kraft went to Palm Beach, he was an 86-year-old man to get a rub and tub in a place in Palm Beach. If you're 86 years old and you want to go get a rub and tub, really, you're going to arrest the guy over that? Anyway, so we have a great guest today, Matt Lunsford, Heal Behavior Health, and he has just an incredible journey, and we wanted to have him on the show to talk about... Um, addictions and, and the things, the great things that he's doing. He's doing a nonprofit now in addition to his, his centers. And um, why don't we get started and you give us a little introduction on, on your past and where you're coming from. Absolutely. So, um, so yeah, I, I was raised in Indiana, you know, I had a great family and everything. And, um, you know, I, I chose a different path than most, you know, I, I, uh, um, I was just kind of a shithead kid, you know, like just raising raising hell everywhere, giving my parents hell, getting kicked out of schools. But you were in a middle class, upper middle class yeah, lifestyle. Yeah, I grew up okay. on a golf course that my dad owned. You know? Right. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So upper middle. <laughs> class. So you're a good, so, so you're a great so you're a great golfer. I, I should be better, but uh, I, did, your I, did, I didn't take What's advantage your handicap? of that the childhood. You know. Right. Um. Right now, I'm like a seven or eight. Wow. Yeah. yeah, don't bet against them wow. at a seven or eight. I was a four like three months ago, yeah, so I just, right, I'm right. trending the wrong direction. Right, right. But, um, but, yeah, I stopped golfing after like 13 and just gave my parents hell. You know, I was I was a little shit. And, um, you know, it, I didn't try drugs or alcohol or anything like that until I was 18. Um, I dropped out of high school. Um and, and, you know, I started partying, right? So, wait, so you dropped out of, were your parents upset when you, when you dropped out of high school? Why'd you drop yeah, out of high course, school? Yeah, of course, but I had been kicked out of every school. Um, they'd sent me away to a boarding school. Were you like a fighter? Why were they kicking you out? Just, I just... Just a big... But you weren't yeah, doing any, you weren't doing any <laughs> drugs while you were getting kicked no, out all no, through school? disruptive. So, what just, was your first experience then? What, what made you? Who was the first person well, that said... you're not planning on hitting either of us today, are you? <laughs> no, not today. No, what no, was I your never, first... Never what was your first when the light bulb said, I'm going to try this after all this? Who, who was the person that said, or you don't have to say, but like, like what made you try your very first... What was the first thing so, you did? So, shortly after I dropped out, I, I grew up in Muncie, Indiana, so Ball State, big party right. school at the time. And, Hoosiers, uh, isn't that the Hoosiers? Like? No, no, oh. the the Cardinals. Okay, but, um, but yeah, so I it was just a college party. I had I drank. Uh, I remember I sent somebody to the liquor store, and they they came back with two bottles of Boone's Farm, an old English forty of malt liquor, and a wow. pint of Skull. You you like started like the, took the training wheels off, or you're going right for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, who's like, who's like that's unbelievable. You didn't even start with like a little like. Right, literally, right. wow, like a beer. That's like a gut. You grew hair with that one, right? Over. And Jeez. and and for me, it was just like 
it was just immediate, um, you know, like the feeling. Yeah, exactly. Right. An, an allergy, if you will. Right. right. So, um, didn't throw yeah, up, a, didn't get first, sick. It was the first time, right. Cause as a kid, I was getting kicked out of school all the time and this was the first time I felt comfortable in my own skin. You know what I mean? Right. It was like, well, that's okay, what it does. So this is what that's, I've been looking for. And that's right? what alcohol does. Now, Galvi's right. sober three years today. Three years oh, today. congratulations. Today. Three, three years today. Years today. Awesome. today. Yeah. But that's what it does. It gives you, like, you know, that you can, you know, if yeah. you go to a party. Right. Sometimes people have a drink before they go to a party because it relaxes them and makes them more right. comfortable. That's, right. you know. And some of us... You know, I, I mean, once I start, I just don't stop, right? right? So for me, that was my first drink. Next day, I tried weed. Day after that, I drank again and tried Coke. And then, like, really, I didn't stop doing Coke for a month. And right. in your neighborhood, that was easily accessible. Yeah. yeah. It's not, not hard yeah. to find. Drop right. me off in the middle of Omaha if I want to find right. drugs. Right. I'll find them, you know? Right. All right, maybe we can look around here. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, yeah, and then and then it was just, like, off to the races, right? I Went on a month-long coke bender, you know, got kicked out of my mom's house, um, started selling drugs, got arrested with a pound, you know, right. at one point. And, a pound and, of coke? No, oh. weed. Okay. And <laughs> <laughs> how do you get out? Back in the day, how do you get out of that? I mean, you just, So I got on, like, a deferral program, right. and um, I, I went to treatment. You? I went to my first treatment. Oh, first treatment. Yeah, okay. So, um, I didn't think I had a problem. I, well, when you, you know. got arrested with the first one, your parents didn't have to get involved, even though you're 18 already. They have to help you. I mean, they're sitting there saying, like... I'm an adult. Yeah, I was 18. But th- you, but otherwise, you're going. You're looking at some serious jail time if, you, uh, if you're not... Pound the pot. Yeah. Yeah, in Indiana, they take it a lot more seriously than most states, but... Um, but yeah, I went to like a Salvation Army treatment center for okay. a month and then a halfway house for a little bit. And the judge ended up dropping everything completely off my record. Um, well, you're a good test case for the judge to say, sake, I was right to drop everything with you. Yeah, but that's not where things got better for me. So, oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> OK, so continue. So yeah, and then, you know, I get out of there and um, and, you know, I just tried to drink and smoke weed and just like like an adult manage it. Right. You know. Um, and then when I turned 21, I was living in Indianapolis and I got diagnosed with, uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma, started on chemo, all that kind of stuff. And, and, is uh, that, pain pills. does that have anything to do with the uh, parting? Can you, or is that just, that's just in your, it's just hereditary. And how they, are you, they can't tell you why. Uh, yeah. And it's a personal question. You don't have to answer if you don't want to, but how were you diagnosed? You weren't feeling well. Or? I had a lump in my right groin that and grew, it blew up. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. um, so yeah, I, I uh, you know opiates prescribe me every every kind of opiate you can imagine. Fentanyl. Rocks, you were the worst case. Here it is. Know. Here it is. You're already like experimenting, doing your stuff, and now you get this, and now they're they're feeding you and, opiates. That's like right, a perfect right. storm. And, and so that was like my first real introduction to unlimited opiates and, right. and Xanax, you know, and um, and, they're giving and that's it where to I really you. fell in love. That was where it was just like, okay, this is the feeling I like this, and and that year, you know, I was. It was it was really like a drug addict's dream, you know, because right. I'm like, right, I'm 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 able to be as fucked up as I want to be, <laughs> and not only am I allowed to be fucked up, everyone actually feels sorry for me, you know right. what I mean? Right. So it's right. like, oh, don't mind him, he just right. took more medicine. Oh, here, here's yeah. another pill. Yeah. Take another pill. Right. Take another right. pill. Right. And doctors right. aren't afraid to prescribe them if you, you know, boom, boom, boom. You have lymphoma. Right. Yeah, they're and like, I wasn't yeah. worried about the diagnosis or anything. All I cared about was when's refill, when's refill day. How many do I have left? Am I going to make it to refill day? You know, right, right. It's like you're stocking. It's like an alcoholic. Let's see right. how much alcohol he has left before he has to go and buy more bottles. Right. And then the story is the same as everyone else, right? Like, uh, or is 
athletes, a lot of people that I've talked to, college athletes in particular, they get prescribed painkillers, they take them off the painkillers, they're too expensive to buy on the street, so what's cheaper? Heroin, you know, um, all that, and that's one of the things I said I would never do, heroin, crack, all that kind right. of, you know, the hard drugs. That's what everybody says, you know, when yeah, they, right. uh, they ultimately. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did heroin for six years on and off, you know, like trying to get wow. off, manage it. Um, yeah, I was always I, scared of stuff like anything yeah. like that. And crack wasn't around when I was younger. Right, you know? right. Yeah, I was a quaalude addict, but you know, <laughs> for me, no, for me, they stopped making them. It saved yeah, my life. Right. So, yeah, they were great. And look, we come from an era where there was coke, right, and that right. was like a uh, big, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Right. But the quaaludes were like, you know, it was like crazy stuff. Yeah. But go ahead. Yeah, and um, you know, so that six years, it was just like every time, you know, I'd go in a hospital to detox or a psych ward and and every time it was just like okay i'm gonna get this stuff out of my system get because the, the physical the withdrawals are horrible you what's know? the psych ward like um is it like one flew over the cuckoo's nest where you're like you feel like you're the only sane guy in the entire pretty much place? yeah yeah because the way that i would go in because i didn't have health insurance at right. the time um i would just go in and i would say i'm addicted to heroin and I'm going to kill myself, and they would have to take you. Right. So it was like a little trick that I learned right. along the way, you know. Right, right. And you tell them you're addicted to heroin, so they give you, you know, help you, you know, with the withdrawals. So, so I did that probably 12 or 13 times if I had to guess. So then how old are you at this point? This was between the age of like 22 and 27. So five years of this. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, and where are you living at the time? Are you living? Various places, but I, I did end up, I, I I had bought a house, like I hid it for like three years, you know, I was working at a restaurant, and, and but that was kind of my MO, you know, I would go into one of these psych ward detoxes, I would, I would get out, I would try to manage stuff and like maybe substitute, maybe just find a doctor that was prescribing me pain pills, and then like as soon as things got unmanageable, I'd burn everything to the ground. These psych wards, know? when you're in there... Not the first time, but like say the Why second. Why are you so thing. interested in a psych ward? Well, no, <laughs> this is like your third question uh, on no, a psych no, no, ward guy. No, because right. you're planning on checking in. No, you gotta let me know so I take a couple no, weeks off if here. If you're saying, I'm trying to think. Like if you're in there the first time, it's uh, your first experience, so you don't know. But right. the third time that you're there. Are you saying like this isn't going to work? Do you already know like it's not going like you're you're not when no, did, so the first time you're thinking maybe they can really do help you. But when did you say like hey this is like a, this is a band-aid. I'm coming in and uh, it's not going to do anything. So that's the like insane thoughts that go through my head, right? Or I go in um, with the same thought every time that if I can just get through the physical withdrawals then I won't pick I won't do it again. So yeah. you're going in like like you're going like it's going to work. Yeah. And yeah. they say those three or five. <laughs> how many times? Like right. Like how many? Twelve or thirteen times. Yeah. Like so the tenth time you're like I'm going to. And the last time was actually not a psych ward. It was a jail, and I had the same conversation with myself. Not going to pick up again. I was in there for ten days, something like that. Is that any? If you had to say, if you're going to be easier to quit, is jail like easier to like to yes. tell? Yes. Because you're. You have no choice but to go through it. You so know? then why doesn't the country then come up with a lot of jails and say for a lot of people that can scare them like that? You, TV can, show get, scares you can get It's a detox, and I'm just saying. But, yeah. but I mean, the, the thing is, is this, right, is when I'm doing, like, especially when I'm talking to other patients and, and people, like, So you wait, know. Let's, uh, let's just stay on okay. this. Yeah. Uh, okay. So now your last time you are in jail... And, and and you're detoxing. So how how did Matt get his life? Now Matt is a member of 
plays golf where I play golf, you know, very fluent club, and he's a very successful guy. Nine handicapper, was a four just a right. month ago. And so seven. Seven. How do we get from <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble. Being heroin, crack, fentanyl, opioids to you know, being a healthy guy and being a successful guy. Yeah. Well, tell, for all those people, for our 94,000 listeners, I, you know. Your inspiration. How did yeah, you do it? What was the What was the light that you saw? I know what, why I stopped doing Quaaludes. I mean, mm-hmm. my story is real easy, but. They stopped making them. No, <laughs> no. I had one bad night, and, you know, the next day I woke up, and I just said, you know, that's it. It's over. Sure, yeah. sure. So for me, I'll tell you my my low point real yeah. quick. So let's hear it. So I would lost. And is when you say your low point, when you're talking to people, is that something that turns them around, or you said something? Honestly, to- no, okay. no. So people, and I've learned this from dealing with thousands of different people that suffer from what I suffer from. I can I can tell them all my experience. I can give them all the great advice in the world, right? The only thing I can't teach them or give them is the willingness to actually do right. the action required to be sober and stay sober, right? right. Um, and that's what it was for me. I had to beat my head into the ground. There wasn't anybody on the planet that could tell me, you know, that, hey, this if this is going to happen if you don't stop. I was told that I was going to die if I, and I kept going, you know? Right. Um, wow. I, know, I know people currently that, you know, have serious medical issues and they say, if you don't stop drinking, you've. Was there Probably any one guy that years, was inspirational you know? to you that you that you listened to him that said, "Hey, like that was a or no one came in." You know, and no, and and to answer your question, um, there wasn't really. I, I can't really explain it. I don't know how I got where I am today, other than following a few simple suggestions that were given to me, right? And so, what was the low point? What was the so the low point for me? I think or the the moment of realization that I was like really, really fucked, right? Was um I had gotten out of jail. I had lost a house. So my house essentially um, you know, I couldn't pay it and my I I I needed money for, for drugs. So I went to my dad. My dad was pretty like keen on my bullshit at this point. So he said, All right, what do you need? I said, I don't know, like eleven hundred bucks. Right. And he was like, All right, well meet me in my office. You're gonna sign the, the deed of your house over to me. And uh, when you give me the 1100 back, I'll sign it back, right? It was needless to say, I didn't give it back to him. Um, and so later on, you know, the house had been cleared out. It's got fleas because I don't take care of anything, right? And, like I had a dog. And, um, and I was staying with some lady out in the country about, I don't know, 10 miles away or something. I drove her kid's bike to hopefully find drugs and with no money. Right. Um, when I didn't and I was sick, I went to the house that I used to own, crawled in the back window, no furniture, just fleas, grabbed the shower curtain. I'm laying on the floor. I'm staring at the ceiling like wishing wow. I wish I could die. Right. right. Wow. Too scared to kill myself. And that was the first time I ever actually like prayed because I'm not really like a religious guy, especially back then. I was really not. I was like anti-religious. And I was right. like, man, this just, is where the just make it stop. This is where the spiritual, I mean? like, like someone's like saying to you, this is yeah, it. This yeah, is yeah. it. I mean, it was, it was, uh, it was dark. And I, and that was like true depression and hopelessness. You You're at the I mean? bottom. Yeah. And at that point, um, I, I wound up at, a, at this like church of all places, right? Which, oh, well, and, that's, you know. It was an addiction outreach thing, and I talked to somebody, and I had no idea. I had this, like, 
bullshit phone room job for Apple Care that I don't even know how I kept this long. And um, I had insurance, health insurance through them, had no idea that would cover from me for to, to go to treatment out of state. Right. I got on the phone with somebody. They said, yeah, we can have you on a flight tomorrow to South Florida. And, uh, and I came down and, you know. And, and, that, and, and that did it for you. Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I had a slip up about six months after I came down here. I thought, because so, I, I had so this. you came down here and what did you do when you came here? So I came down, I did about, uh, I was in treatment for somewhere around, treatment and halfway for around like five months or something. Um, and, you know, I, I got involved with a 12-step a program, um, which I'm a, I'm a huge believer in. Um, and I actually still today believe that's the only um, treatment. For is the twelve-step program the same? Is that what everybody hears about with AA? Is it all? The, is that the twelve steps for everything? Yeah, there's a lot of different ones. Okay, AA and A. Well, um, I just want to know CAA. if it's like the Ten Commandments. Is it the twelve steps or yeah. the twelve steps? It's the same twelve steps. Okay, that's yeah. what, okay. Yep. Um, and I did it reluctantly. You know, I was familiar with them before. I just the the thing is about the twelve steps is you have to give up control, right? So right. like. I didn't want to do that. You know, right. I kept always just, that was my delusion. Was like, what step's that, by the way? Giving up. Yeah. <laughs> surrender. Okay. I just want to know, like, I, you could do four, and then you get to yeah. that one and say, okay, yeah. I got yeah. the four. So, um, I mean, one is admitting okay. like, right. you're pretty fucked, you know, right. and, and uh, that your life is not panning out so well. Right. right. But, but, you know, I did that, and then, like, six months in, right, um, was I, I had this like revelation, all these things came, cause I, I came down here, I weighed 160 pounds, I was abscesses, just like, I mean, I had no clothes, no money, family wouldn't talk to me, it was like- You were a mess. It was ugly, right? right. Six months later, like, and I, and I still didn't see hope when I was in treatment, and they were talking about, oh, you're gonna stay in Florida now, you know? And, right. and I was like, do what? I'm a high school dropout, I, you know, I stole from every job I ever had. Like, right. what am I going to do here? You know? Um, and six months later, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to move out of halfway. Um, I've got a great girlfriend. I've, uh, my parents had both come down to visit me and I was starting to re rebuild some of those relationships. Got a little tan. I, you're looking good. Got a car. I hear the girls you know, in there and, are pretty hot looking too. Is that true? A lot of girls in the halfway house. And, oh, just. <laughs> in, in, these, in these AA meetings, I went to a couple in, in the Hamptons. They, and call the that, girls, they call that 13th step. In all house. right. Yeah. yeah. Man, there were some good looking girls in those yeah. AA meetings. But go ahead. I don't mean to judge. <laughs> That's it's where you're going to go and pick up girls right, now? Right, I'm going meetings. after today. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so all those things came back into me that was like just beyond like comprehension, especially six months prior to that, you know? So mm -hmm. I just decided, you know, I was like, okay, well, I guess I, I can do what I want now, you know? And, right. and for me, that's just not how it works. Right. Cause like what I've learned is the difference between an alcoholic and drug addict and, and a non-alcoholic and drug addict is um, the ability to, you know, the, the moment an alcoholic or drug addict put, puts any kind of substance into their body, um, they don't stop. That's, that's what makes them an alcoholic. It's not any of the other things. Um, you know, I know plenty of people who can do Coke on the weekends and have some drinks and their life doesn't crumble, you know what right. I mean? And they're able to be, they can still handle responsibilities and things are right. okay, you right. know? right. That's not me. Right. right? <laughs> That's a good thing to know. Look, yeah. it's like some people can say, you know, have uh, two drinks a week, you know, or something like right. that. Right. They go out on Friday night and they're like, you know, they already had four drinks and it's Friday sure. night. It's a 
you know, they're going to do the same thing on Saturday night. Right, right. So from that point, how did you get into business or become a success after you got out of the six-month stint in this Florida rehab? How so, do you how do you keep your journey going to to get where you are today? Yeah, so I mean, it's been it's been very interesting. Um, but I, you know, I, I ran into a guy. So when I, I had relapsed, right, and um, and it wasn't so bad that I needed to go detox or any of that stuff. But um, it was, it was a little it, alignment, like a chiropractor. You just needed a little yeah, adjustment. Yeah, I, mean, I needed to get back to me to get back involved with like a program, right? right. So. Um, my girlfriend suggested I go to a meeting um, because she she didn't know exactly what was going on, but she could tell something was off, right? So she suggested it. I didn't want to go, um, but I ended up uh, going anyway. I went to one that I, I I tried to go to one specifically to not run into anybody that I knew, right? And I go there and I run into this guy um, that I'd met at my previous treatment center. Um, he worked there. And he's this big six foot seven guy, played for Florida State, football player, um, massive, right? But he's like the sweetest guy ever. And uh, we're talking, I think we have nothing in common, right? And like he diagnosed me very quickly, right? Because he asked, he said, So what, uh, what, what happened? And he's like, Did you, you know, do any 12 steps? What did you do? You know? And, and he was like, Cool. Uh, how many guys did you sponsor? Right? And it was like, the answer was zero. Um, so I, I did. You know, that's kind of the basis of the 12 steps, right? Is like sponsor someone. Yeah. I mean, that's the 12th step. So right. you get, you go, you go through and then like the whole point is to stop, Help stop being else. so selfish all the time. Right. You know what I mean? Cause my entire life has been about me and making right. myself feel a certain way. And like everyone, everything is about me. Right. Right. right, right, um, right. So now it's my turn to actually take some of that, um, shit from my past and turn it into an asset and experience that I can use to help another, you know, person struggling with addiction. And when you saw success in that, then you're thinking you just build upon that. Well, I saw him and his phone never stopped ringing, right. With people that he was helping, you know, I was like, that's pretty cool. So I was like, I kind of, it kind of, um, business idea. That's where, no, no, it wasn't that. It was more just like, it was more so just the idea of, um, being, helpful to somebody, right. you know, like truly just helpful. Right. So that was kind of what I was missing, but, um, it was shortly down the road. I, he, he worked in treatment obviously. And, and I talked to him and, um, I got into, you know, like doing some outreach and stuff for the treatment center he was at. And we kind of, we went to a few, we were at a few different centers kind of jumping around and, um, and then we settled on at a, at a detox called Palm Beach recovery centers in West Palm that we, uh, that, um, we started, running and um it's been a cool journey man i actually opened with him and my mom we opened a treatment center back in indiana um so i was flying back and forth there for a little while and um and then i sold it a couple years ago we were having some issues with um one of the partners up there so we just you know i for me it it just always has to be client first you know and now you have centers down here. Yeah, the Heal Behavior Health. Yeah, what yeah, so what type it, of center is that? Heal Behavior. So Heal is, um, we are a longer-term treatment center. We're dual licensed, so we're able to treat mental health as well as substance abuse. When you say long-term uh, centers, then you have a belief that 28 days, if someone's checking in, that's like, that's very unusual for someone to be cured in 28 days. Yeah, so... I don't like to make a blanket statement right. like it just doesn't I, work. And, and, and I'm also a firm believer for somebody whose career is 
based in around treatment, I don't think treatment keeps anybody sober. You know what I mean? I don't care what treatment center you go to. You walk out the door. If you didn't, if you're not, if you're not doing something, um, you know, like, like the 12 steps, right? Like that is what gives you long lasting sobriety. You get a lot of great tools in treatment. It gives you a lot of time of separation. Um, You know, there's a lot of, it's a huge benefit and a huge uh, leg up. Right. Mm. Um, And as far as like the 28 day thing, you know, that might work for someone, you know, it, it just depends, right? Like, so first timers in treatment, right? I did longer than 28 days. I needed it. What's you know? generally your, uh, your centers there? Our minimum stay is, you know, six weeks and that's after coming from 21 days in like a detox residential. Okay. So, so you're- six weeks, but we've had people stay with us a year. It depends. Wow. And you have a great success rate uh, for? Very. Very. Um, the metrics are kind of hard to judge just because people are coming from all over the country and where you, where you know. in, is it in, where, where is it located exactly? Your so we're we're in Jupiter Farms, Jupiter um, Farms, six acre ranch with two mansions on it, horses on property. Actually, one of our horses used to belong to Burt Reynolds. Oh, okay, oh, yeah, cool. he was up there, right? Well, the yeah, horse yeah. outlived Burt yeah. Reynolds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's great. Well, it's okay. cool. You know, we we have. Um, you know, a great trauma track for people who are suffering from trauma or first responders. And you take them from all over the country. So if someone's yep. up in north and it's the winter time and they're it's, and they're like almost homeless, they can maybe if they're come on down and yeah, Jupiter Farms. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, we're twenty four beds, so we're a smaller place, but it is uh, a very beautiful property. And very, can very you serene. share the cost with us of what it would cost for someone? Yeah, so I mean, we, if- we do accept. Private health insurance, um, depending on what it is. Um, sometimes there's out of pocket to go with it, like a blended model where some, you know, insurance plus X amount, which we can't really say until we're able to, to see everything in the system. Um, but our, our flat out cash pay rate, which is we're about 40% cash, like just private pay, um, is it, we're right around 39000 a month. So, which is actually. Um, Better than average for the for that type of treatment center, mm-hmm. like uh, I guess we'll use we'll, we'll use the word luxury treatment, like Palisades right. um, of Malibu or whatever. Sure. So I mean, our competitors or the other other treatment centers that are in that that yeah. realm are more like I mean, there's one actually in uh, on A1A that's ninety six grand a month, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're so we're a little we we try to keep it a little below. You, and you want the people that. That it should cost them enough that they're like into it, not right, like a, right. if you said it's a thirty dollars a month, you'll end up having a person coming here for vacation. Hundred percent. You, you know, yeah. you don't want a vacation person yeah. coming down. You want someone that's like going to be yeah. serious. So, do you feel um, like for somebody to be successful in in, in beating uh, drug addiction is religion or spirituality an important part of it, or it doesn't play any part of it? I just hear a lot of is is your environment. You have to change your friends. You have to change a lot of what you used to do in the past to get rid of your bad habits. So what's cool about it is I don't feel like what I've learned throughout the journey is like anytime that I'm miserable, I'm focusing on the problem and trying to fix the problem. Right. And like focusing on the solution as opposed to the problem the problem kind of just like ceases to really be at the front of my mind anymore. But my knee jerk reaction to everything is to focus on the problem. Right. Right. Like if my, if my foot hurts, I'm going to sit there and think about how about my foot hurts. Right. right? Like, um, but you know, spirituality is, is what the entire thing hinges on. 
right? Um, and you know, that was something that was something I struggled with. Cause I, you know, I went to a Christian, I got sent away to a Christian boarding school, and I and I had all this, you know, like preconceived notions about it and anger towards religion. And and we're not really talking about religion. Religion is separate. Spirituality is just it's really just coming to terms with the fact that I'm not the guy running, running the show here. You know what right. I mean? It's not, it's not me. I'm not making the, I'm not making the world spin. Um, I don't really have control over much other than what I'm doing right now. In this and moment, you learned it you wasn't know? about you. It was giving back. It, you, 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 <sighs> right, were, right. you're always always about yourself when you got into the situation sure. and you realize when you start thinking about other people, then, you know, and helping other people, right. it, it opens you up a little bit more. Well, you know, in, in addiction and alcoholism and, it's very interesting as a, you know, being a disease, right? Cause it's the only real disease where there is no magic pill. There's no, there's no, um, medication you can take. Right. And, it, and spirituality being a key factor in how to stay sober and it's proven, you know, it's proven since, you know, the early 1900s that this is the only thing that works, but, but, doc, a, but doctors, how do they, they don't know how to apply that. You I know, have a they question. can't. I have a question for you. You know, like when COVID came and we came up with this, vaccine, like mm -hmm. this miracle vaccine that was supposed to like stop COVID from spreading. For the amount of people that are, that have this disease and the billions and billions, trillions probably that have been spent on all these centers, why can't we come up with a drug that helps cure you? Like, right, what is it? What's it now? Methadone? Is it methadone? Mm. Or, uh, like, but, like, but something that's like, but something... Or a nicotine patch for cigarettes. Yeah, but something yeah. that's like, you can say, this is going to take away, like, uh, right now they're coming up with Manjero and uh, Ozempic to take away your hunger pains and to, like, make you feel full. Why can't they come up with something that makes you feel like... They have like you they don't have it. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's, it's not a cure. It's a, it's a Band-Aid. You know? To get you, like, you know, maybe to get you a little bit, like... So here's the problem. Um, you got... And, it, and it's definitely moved in that direction as far as treatment, right, in general. Um, but you, methadone is kind of old school. Like, the, oh, yeah. you don't see it as much I'm anymore. Old, yeah. Uh, yeah, right. But, I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. horrendous <laughs> yeah. stuff. It's, it's, it's government yeah, heroin right. is what it is. I right. mean, it's it's harder to get, get off of than anything, right? And, right. I didn't... I don't... Really, yeah. I just know that I heard that word, oh, you yeah, know, it's like... horrible. Um, but now the, bi now the big one's Suboxone, um, which they have either you take it orally or they have um, actual, like, uh, month-long, you know, you get an, an, an injection... And oh. it's like a pellet or something. It, it releases over the course of a month. And you get another one. So, um, but the problem with Suboxone is it's impossible to get off. Like pe these people never come off of it. You know what I mean? It's like, and I call it heroin light. You know? Okay. But how do they act when they're on it? Do you feel like you need you to have more? You're, you're, it's you like you're, it's like you're, the way I look at it, because I've, I've done it. I've been on it before. You know, that was when, when I was trying to figure I it out. I feel like you've, you, you, you've been <laughs> yeah, on everything. Yeah. You're an expert. It, I'm it's kind of like um, like life is just like black and gray and white. You know what I mean? It kind of is just like you're sober-ish, so the but people not that all are the living way. You know what in, I mean? That are living in the streets in Kensington, Philadelphia, right. or on the, some other skid roads that you see. If we, the government, would give them this drug— would they still walk around like zombies and like be like, or would they be nor or the girl that's sitting around uh, turning a trick for seventy five dollars? Would if she was on this, would she like have more sense to say, "Hey, I'm not doing that. I can live." They'd, uh, 
I mean, a lot of them would probably sell it and trade it for dope or, you know what I mean? Because yeah. they have street right. value, too. I was just saying, so. I would rather see them than walking around like a zombie. So there's a yeah. little, my daughter went to this um, private school in Philadelphia, very, you know, high-end private school. And one of her best girlfriends, I'm not going to say her name, um, just did a little documentary. She lives in Kensington in a tent. This is an affluent girl, you know, grew up... She does fentanyl. She does all the drugs. She's a pretty girl. I saw, pretty the, girl. I saw the video. And she does turns four or five tricks a day. I mean, she gets in guys' cars for 75 hours, you know, and blows them or oral sex or whatever she's doing, you know, just to get the fix for the day. And she used to be at David's house. Yeah. And uh, I mean, and she so broke up. She said, uh, David said he, she broke oh, up. Oh, well, we're not going to get into that one. All right, 94,000 listeners. But <laughs> no, we're not saying anything. But we're just saying, like, this is how she went from being, like, you know, like, sort of on the prudish side to, you know, like, it doesn't yeah. make a difference. It's like, that's how powerful the drug is. Like, I mean, like, can you imagine? Here's a, a girl that is, that is that that's giving... Five different guys, you know, and not afraid of diseases, anything. That's how powerful her addiction is. Right. Yeah. It's just insane. So on a by any means necessary. By any, the next one. So, like, on a personal level yourself, I'm just so curious. I mean, you know, you're coming into this, you know, we are podcast superstars, right? And <laughs> you're coming in here, do you say to yourself, maybe I should have a drink first, or, you know, I'm a little nervous, or when you go on a date with a super hot girl, I mean, do you say... Do you ever feel like you need to, you want to fall off the wagon a little, or, or there's there you have a default somewhere that you know how to get out of that mindset? So, and and I didn't even finish answering your question. It ties in with that um, about having to change my friend group and stuff, right? right? So there's something that happened along the way from from doing some of these things with the steps and all that, you know, um, and. It kind of just honestly, and the answer to answer that question, question no, and then hanging out with old friends and stuff, like I was always concerned about that. I was like, oh no, I gotta tell my friends to fuck off, and I don't want to talk to them ever again. No, it's just kind of naturally I'm moving in a different direction, so I naturally will not. If I'm doing the things I'm supposed to be doing, I'm not gonna want to go hang out with a guy who's shooting heroin. You know right. what I mean? Or who sells drugs or whatever, right? Um, and no, I mean I haven't had the desire or really the thought to drink or do anything in a very long time like it's completely well, like removed. me for instance with me i could be around anybody that drinks it doesn't bother. it doesn't bother yeah. me one bit at all as long as you know i don't but, even miss it and not, the way i stopped is basically a doctor was telling you you know i was taking uh, i hurt my back and i was taking a leave and i was taking like four a leave a day and then drinking at night and uh the combination said to me, you know, you're on your way, you're going to have a liver transplant. And once I said a liver transplant, he says, it's not a good way to go, you know, the quality of life. And I said, what do I need to do? He says, first thing is quit. I said, done. Mm. And he said, uh, it's going to be easier. And I said, no, it won't be. It's like, it's like I look at it like a football player that, like, tears his knee up on the ball field. The doctor comes over to him and says, you're never going to play football again, but you can live a normal life. I'm, I said, okay, that's, I'll sign up for that. Right. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, and like you said, I I can I, I can be around it. It doesn't matter, you know. And I and I've done that with like I don't clients, clients that have left or people that I've built relationships with over the years. Relapsed, they're at the homing in or whatever crack motel, and I've been over there kicking doors in, Narcan and people. You know what I mean? Like I see, I've seen people just shooting 
like injecting right. your heroin right in front of me and it it turns my stomach that i because I, I think about it and i'm like it i it not only does it not sound good it's like repulsive right. to think about you know and right. i and, I'm, and i don't say that to say that um i'm cured and i you know i will never do it again because i i, I can't say that right? right i just i just know myself i know the past and like for me it starts with maybe, maybe i is that a step to well, never to say to say that you'll never be cured i mean like isn't that one thing like you're, you're never because you're always you no, have to it's, always... not a, it's not a step it's it's just I'm not even saying it's a bad thing to say I'll never be cured, but it's, it's a day by day thing, right? Like I know, I know today I'm, you know, I'm I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to do to, to not pick up a drink or a drug. You know what I mean? And like, I'll worry about tomorrow when I get there. But do you have, when, when you're an addict, are you, are you, do you replace that drug addiction with an addiction for gambling or an addiction for women? I certainly have, yeah. It's, yeah. I've tried, I've, it's, no, it's, so you, yeah. so <laughs> are you good at gambling? It's part of your DNA. You're, you're an addict. So do you become a sex addict? Do you become a gambler? Do you do these other addictive things in your life? Do you read books like an addict? Well, they or, make it easier for you, like gambling. They make it usually, easy. Usually when you substitute, it's not something healthy like reading books. Usually it's... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm reading books every day now. Yeah, sometimes, I mean, sometimes it's the gym. A lot of that pictures. maybe, you know, like, that can be a healthy one, I guess. Right, but, the gym. But, but it's, it, you know, gambling, tried that, did not go well for me. No, um, and they're making that easy. You know, now. and I like to think that I'm real good at gambling, but until I, me too. Until I, until I lose I was all my money. I like you know? when the Eagles game on Sunday. <laughs> I was good I mean, at gambling. Eagles I was great at gambling. Yeah. Right. Chasing women, money, you know, I mean, it, it's anything that's like, and so it goes back a, to that selfish stuff, right? Like, well, let me ask you that. That's a really good point. Great point. So now you had the, what made you feel good was doing drugs. Now, you're very fortunate. You're successful. He's one of Donald Trump's favorite golf partners. I guess you always get him to win. You know, when you're your team, right? <laughs> give me, a, give me a quick Donald Trump story on the but golf. Wait, course. let me ask real right. fast. Excuse me. So, is is that a replacement? You found something. You know, having you know success in your life, driving a nice car, belonging to a good club, living in a nice house. Do you think about it now and say, wow, I don't want to lose this and go back to that? I mean, is that a thought that, you know, people have that they say, you know, wow, things are are too good on this side of the sun. Why go on the dark side of the sun again? Yeah, I mean, listen, I... Let's let's go back to when I was laying on the floor of that house with the fleas jumping all over me with the shower curtain. Right, yeah. Right? I think about that, you know, because I speak a lot at different, you know, treatment centers and just around. And I think about that. And then I take a look around me at like what my life is today. You know what I mean? And you, it's it's like right. it, it's it's like your mom proud of you and everything, your family and up there. Or? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. Right. I mean, look, <laughs> no, you come a long it's, way. It's cool. And she did business with and you. And I mean, you know, and, and a cool Donald Trump story, which ties yeah, into let's that. Hear right? it. Let's it's, hear it. Let's go for well, it. No, I mean, when We're I'm trying to get him on the show, Matt. Can you get him on our show? Nah. We want him to get him on. Here, you got his phone number. Give, us a, give us a guy got, story. Give us that no, story. He's got his phone number yeah. right here on well, the phone. Well, just real quick, the way that I met. What is that? 212. The way I met. <laughs> and, this, and this was really cool because it ties into, you know, my my recovery, right, is um, when I joined Trump International, um, 
I was only there for... We're supposed to say, when I joined the number one golf course in the state of Florida and in America, Trump Okay, right, right. Uh, Hear that, Donald? I I appreciate that. Thanks for correcting me on that. Um, But no, I had been there for a few months and and I met met him in passing and didn't think I was going to get close to the guy, you know, because I didn't know what it was going to be like when he came back into town and I was there. And and I just asked... uh, Real quickly, you know, hey, uh, my dad and brother are flying in next week, and they're going to play the course for the first time. Need a fourth, you know, and he, and he agreed. So, That's unbelievable. you know, and that was the cool thing, right? Because it was like three or four years prior to that, my dad was like probably in the process of writing me out of his will, you know, right. and then like to be able to do that, and, and it also says something about President Trump is that. You didn't know who I was. I'm just some dipshit guy with tattoos that you happen to see walking in the locker room. You know right. what I mean? And like he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll take six hours out of my right. day. Right, says a lot about who he is. And, right. Yeah, you know. And I mean, we met him, had breakfast, lunch, um, played golf. You know, like um, he's the most. He is an absolute stand-up guy. And, and was he shocked at how good you were at golf? Like, like you know, you just saw you see, he sees the tattoos and everything, and then so fucking strong. <laughs> no, fucking. he's a very optimistic guy. <laughs> right. I mean, he's always very. No, no, no. You know, but you know, you turn around, you have a picture, so, and then all of a sudden, you're uh, a seven handicap. You know. Yeah. So like, for our for our video here, he has a Donald Trump tattoo. So the, the, the real quick. So the last time I played with him, just before he went back up to Jersey for the summer. Um, We'd always talked about it because I got a, I have a tattoo of him with with uh, boxing gloves says USA right. on it, you know, right. and and I always joked I was like, oh yeah, because he's always signing stuff, and I was right. like, oh, you should sign my tattoo. I'll go get it made permanent, and he's just like, oh yeah, 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 you know. So lunch after we're playing golf, he well, marker. I was like, we doing it? And he was like, he was like, get over here. <laughs> so we're sitting there, and he uh, he signs it. We got it on video. I went to. Um, my buddy over at Water Street. Let's see it. Water Street tattoo and yep, he uh, that's his signature. So right here. Yeah. Wow, what the belt? There it is. Wow, that's great. <laughs> so yeah, he uh, he he's awesome though, man. And, and it, it's a shame that the general public won't know uh, or doesn't know what he's actually like, you know, because of the way the oh, media yeah. wants I'm to portray fan. him, you know. But he. Uh, I watched the guy, um, you know, because one of the other members there, a veteran, and he had a friend who was suicidal. And um, at that, I got to Trump through head pro, and he walks right over, grabs his, grabs his phone, starts talking to his wow. buddy for about 20 minutes, you know, telling him, you know, encouraging him and stuff, you know. Right. Like, you know, you'll never hear about that on the news. No. So. But you get to see Joe Biden yeah. when he's at a funeral. He's looking at his watch to yeah. see, like, how much time right. he has yeah, left. He's Just talking to give about you a, ice cream at a school shooting or whatever. Or about his nonsense. son. Or yeah. about this one. Wow. Yeah. That's great. That's <laughs> great. Yeah, he's awesome. Because you get to see what that's what he's – but that's what people don't really get to know. That's behind the scenes of what the guy – of what, you know, he's about. And he's sure. never afraid to take a picture with anybody. He's no. always the first one no, to go up to somebody and congratulate. You know, I've been there 17 years. I, I saw him back in his reality TV days uh, and back, um, you know, when he was running for president. Does he know you as Cuddy? No, no, <laughs> he doesn't. I don't even think he knows my name. He knows what I look like, you know. But, um, you know, he's always been... You know, whenever my son, who was the former club champ, is on the, on the range, he always comes over. Hey, kid, you're hitting it great. He's a very optimistic mm-hmm. guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, and um, 
I, I like when he has the Navy SEALs there or the cadets there. Or, you know, he brings out Navy big... SEALs thing. I met Caitlyn Jenner at this past year. Oh, did yeah, you? Yeah, a great photo with Caitlyn. Oh, what yeah. piece does she play from? She or hey or whatever. Let me tell you. Uh, I don't know, but I'm guessing She's one of the six, greatest I mean, of all times. Yeah, yeah. She's no, the reason I, so, why if she played from the ladies' tee, she would be. She could probably be on the LPGA <laughs> right now. Seriously. I've, I haven't seen her play, so I don't know. But I, I what I know is we were coming up off the uh, 18th tee, and we see everybody on the practice screen, and then you see somebody who's like 6'6 six, six in a pink skirt with a visor and big Oakleys on. I was like, oh, what? who man. is that? You know, and I... Got a little closer. I said, "That's fucking Caitlyn Jenner." Right. Like I can't not take a picture with her. Right. <laughs> that is crazy. Wow. Well, anyway, I mean, this hour flew by. Yeah, it that was, was so great. much fun, Matt. No, thank we you guys. That's love great. To have you back again. It's Heal Behavior Health in West Jupiter. Uh, yep, yep. And um, look it up. And we're on Spotify, Facebook, Instagram, X, TikTok, Apple, YouTube. We're 94,000-plus listeners strong. And after everybody hears Matt's story, I think we're going to break the 100,000 mark. Wait, I have one question. How many shots do you give uh, Donald Trump? Uh, we play straight up, man. Yeah. Straight up. So he's, he's hey, that low. Let me tell you, so he, he can, moves he fast. Can, he can play, man. He's got, a, he's got a nice little move on him. So is he like a 10 handicapper? Nine? I'd say he's probably in the four or five range. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He shot like a 67 or something up there at Bedminster. Uh, oh, the, yeah. Oh, he's talking about shooting your age. He shoots yeah. young, below his age. No, but he's remarkable. I don't know what he's, 76, 77. He's very agile and very quick. I mean, for he his, moves. For his age and body type, the guy's an athletic freak. Yeah. Let me tell you. I think he was a baseball player. Maybe as a tennis. I know he played tennis. tennis. Wow. Yeah. In, co yeah. in college, I think he was. He knows that course ball. like the back of his hand, the Trump. Because I was there. Tough, yeah. I was there when he had like, it looked like an impossible shot. I saw him yeah. take a shot. Five days just, a week, yeah. Yeah, he knows the greens. He knows exactly where it's like, it's. It's amazing, know. his age. He, he'll go out there and play 27. He, I can't do that. No, can I, you? 27's hard in the heat. I got a good enough match. You know? Yeah, right. there you go. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, thank you so much for listening. You can find us on what, Spotify. Yeah, now. we're on Spotify, Facebook, Instagram, X, formerly Twitter, TikTok, Apple, YouTube, and it's Health Behavior Heal Health Heal Behavior Health. Excuse me, Heal Behavior Health. And Matt Lunsford, thank you very much. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it.